Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.32 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's next to the last day of the first month of 2023. That's right, January 30th, 2023. And this is episode, I think, 664 of Bitcoin. And Domus got denied entry into Apple's App Store again. Again. I've been having a lot of fun on Noster. I really, ha- I really have. It's, it's, I'm having more fun on Noster than I did on Mastodon when I got on that son of a bitch four years ago. There's a, it's a different vibe. If you haven't done it, what is it going to cost you? I mean, it's not, it's going to cost you some time. And if you don't like it, just, I don't know, blow, you know, just delete your, your public private key pair, which is what you need to be able to infiltrate a Noster, but uh, it's not going to cost you anything. And you might as well try it out. You know, uh, just how it's, it's, it's a little hard to navigate. I get it. We're early. Everything is hard at first. It's not that big of a deal, y'all. I mean, we've got to stop wanting to have our, you know, the crust cut off of our bread, but it's worth it. It really is. I'm seeing like ghosts of the past. People that have been like uh, Nakadai got kicked off of Twitter last night because an algorithm found out that his, that his account was linked to accounts that he's had, you know, destroyed in the past because he went on a COVID narrative that was not allowed. Right. Remember, remember back in the day, what last year, um, Yeah, so he's on. He got on Nostra last night and explained that uh, he. I think he linked his Substack in his bio, much like I linked my Mastodon, uh, my Bitcoin hackers uh, on Mastodon or on the Fediverse uh, account to my bio, so people could find me on Mastodon. And thirty seconds later, I got kicked off, and a minute later, I got an explanation through email that uh, we've we have suspended your account because uh, we found that it was linked to an account that we banned. And they're talking about the BENND77 account that I had since 2011. And uh, they said the the reason for this suspension was avoiding permanent suspension. Well, of course, I'm going to avoid permanent suspension. Of course, not anymore. I'm I'm done with bird sight. I'm just, I can't stand it anymore. And the more I hear from other people that are still on that wretched pile of refuse, it's just worse and worse and worse. And it doesn't look like it's getting any better. So, you know, what What do you got to lose? You know, of course I'm shilling Noster. Noster isn't, 
they're not paying me because Noster isn't a company. It's a protocol like Bitcoin. That's why I enjoy it so much is that it's almost uncontrollable, which apparently is why the Domus app, which is a Noster client written by JB55 or William Kassarin, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, got denied again after I guess this is his third submittal or at least his second, at least. But I'm thinking that it's, I'm thinking that it's more than that. So why did, what reasons did they give him for rejecting the iOS submission? Okay, well, he, William gives us a little bit of detail on this, and he's got a couple of screenshots directly from what Apple said. It says, Guideline 2.1, information needed. We're looking forward to completing the review of your app, but, you know, we need more information to continue. So what are your next steps? Please provide detailed answer to the following questions in your reply to this message in App Store Connect. One, does your app provide a wallet service for cryptocurrency? Two, if so, where can we locate the relevant features in the app? More information needed. Uh, we have started our review, but we need additional information to continue. Specifically, it appears your app may access or include paid digital content or services, and it doesn't. And we want to understand your business model before completing our review. So what do you do? Next steps, please review the following questions and provide as much detailed information about your business model as you can. Let me scroll down a little bit to this next one. Oh, wow. Here we go. One, who are the users that will use the paid content? Two, where can users purchase the content? Three, what specific types of previously purchased content can a user access? Four, what paid content subscriptions or features are unlocked within your app that do not use the in-app purchases? None. If you've been using Domus on iOS test flight at all, there's no paid content. Sure, people are natively pasting LNURL and, and Lightning Network invoices into the app. So there's that, but nobody's paying for content that Domus is providing. Do you see where, where we're going here? They're using, it's like they're just taking every avenue they can to make William's life a living hell. And we've got to support this guy because he's been working tirelessly since God knows when. You know, I mean, especially since uh, like December, I think I got on around December the 17th or somewhere around there is when I ginned up my first keys. And then I found Domus not too much later than that for uh, iOS test flight and was using it religiously over Christmas. And I saw how many times this guy updated the Domus app. And it's not, it's not anything to sneeze at. This guy's working his ass off. And Apple Store is giving these just ridiculous what paid content there's no it doesn't exist on domus domus doesn't provide you paid content i might post up a link to like i don't know the page that you can listen to bitcoin and podcast from fountain.fm and through that particular website sure you can see stream me sats but at that point you're out of domus You've gone to the fountain.fm forward slash whatever, whatever the ID for my show is. You're, you're not anywhere close to Ondamas, and I don't get why the people over at Apple can't see that. It's, it's amazing to me. But they, they, they continue on with some 
really stupid shit. Guideline 5.1.1 parentheses V in parentheses data collection and storage. Additionally, you know, we noticed that your app supports account creation, but does not appear to include an option to initiate account deletion. Apps that support account creation must also offer account deletion to give App Store users more control of the data they've shared while using your app. Now, here's where we come smack dab up against reality. Understand this about the Nostra protocol. You basically manufacture a set of keys. It's a private key, and then the private key derives a public key. Now, in any client that is using the NOS, that is based on the Nostra protocol, they have to provide a space for you to enter your public key. Now, you can enter my public key, and you can see exactly what I see. You just can't post to my account or my what is representative from my public key because you don't have the private key. The private key is what allows you to sign a message. And without that private key, if you, even if you have my public key and you have to have that to be able to search for me and you can get it off my bio, uh, and I, if I, I, I'll try to start including it in the show notes uh, every every day and I'll probably completely forget that I told you that because, hey, it's morning time and I've only had a half, a half cup of coffee, if you can tell. The point is, the re- and here, this is just reality. There is no account deletion. It's impossible. The only way, I guess the only way William would be able to do this is signing a private message with, on your, on your public key, Okay, your public key is how you see what you've done and who you follow and all that kind of stuff. But to be able to make a message, make a post, a DM, reply to anybody, you need a private key. So the only thing that I can figure is some note type. All these different notes have like, you know, what's called a kind, like kind zero, kind one, kind two. I won't get into it, but they all kind of represent different things that or events that the the Nostra protocol will carry and transmit and receive and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it needs a certain event type that is called account deletion. And I don't even know how that works because once you have ginned up a public key, you 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 are account deletion and account creation. You see how that works? Because this isn't because Nostra isn't controlled centrally, there's no way that quote unquote account deletion and furthermore account creation works. I can gin up these public keys using not any one of the clients at all. I can do it completely offline. I can, there's tool sets all over the place for private key pairs or key pair generation for Noster that has nothing to do with a client. So who's, who is in charge of account deletion and creation? You are. But Apple Store doesn't get it. And I don't think they're going to. I, I have high hopes for Domus, but if I have to use it on test flight, hither and yon for the next 15 years, that's exactly what I'll do. Or, or I'll just move to Android because I'm fucking getting done with all of these terrible, terrible people trying to tell me what I can and cannot do. That's not what being an American is about. 
So that's what's going on in Noster world for right now. You want to move over and talk about Biden? Who doesn't want to talk about Biden? Biden administration releases roadmap to mitigate cryptocurrency risks. Oh boy, Bitcoin Magazine. Yeah, BTC Casey. The Biden administration has posted an official blog detailing its roadmap to mitigate the risks of cryptocurrencies. The roadmap starts by citing the 2022 implosion of the Terra Luna ecosystem and the subsequent catastrophic contagion within the industry that led to various bankruptcies, including this reference to, (coughs) excuse me, the bankruptcy of FTX saying that, quote, many everyday investors who trusted cryptocurrency companies, including young people and people of color, oh yes, let's make it about race, suffered serious losses, but thankfully, turmoil in the cryptocurrency markets has had little negative impact on the broader financial system to date, end quote. According to the roadmap, the administration's focus is on ensuring that cryptocurrencies cannot undermine financial stability, protecting investors, and holding bad actors accountable. To achieve this, the roadmap states that experts across the administration have laid out a framework for developing digital assets in a safe and responsible way while addressing the risk that they pose. Quote, at President Biden's direction, We have spent the past year identifying the risks of cryptocurrencies and acting to mitigate them using the authorities that the executive branch has, the roadmap reads. It goes on to describe how some cryptocurrency entities ignore financial regulations and risk practices. Also alleged is that cryptocurrency platforms and promoters often mislead consumers, have conflicts of interest, fail to make adequate disclosures, or commit outright fraud. Well, that's actually 100% true. Quote, the agencies are using their authorities to ramp up enforcement where appropriate and issue new guidance where needed, the post reads. It further reads that the banking agencies issued joint guidance just this month on the imperative of separating risky digital assets from the banking system. Agencies across government have launched or are now developing public awareness programs to help consumers understand the risks of buying cryptocurrencies. End quote. This, however, is not enough given the events of last year, according to the roadmap. Therefore, the administration will reveal priorities for further research devoted to digital asset and development, quote, which will help the technologies powering cryptocurrencies protect consumers by default, end quote. The post also details the administration's belief that Congress needs to step up efforts by expanding regulators' powers, strengthening transparency and disclosure requirements, funding greater law enforcement capacity building, and limiting cryptocurrencies' risks to the financial system. It is careful not, or rather, it is careful to note that Congress should not greenlight mainstream institutions like pension funds to dive headlong into cryptocurrency markets as this would deepen the ties between cryptocurrencies and the broader financial system and increase systemic risks. And that, boys and girls, is why you're not going to see a spot Bitcoin ETF anytime soon. They just lengthened that road. With that that one, that last thing that I read you, it is careful to note that Congress should not greenlight mainstream institutions like pension funds to dive headlong into cryptocurrency. You're not going to see a Bitcoin spot ETF anytime soon on the horizon that they just put the nail 
in the coffin for the United States to be able to compete on the world stage you, with, with, anything to, with anything to do with Bitcoin. I mean, and honestly, honestly, we don't want to compete on the world stage you know, with Ethereum. We, that's all a scam. But Bitcoin, different. It just is. If you don't know how it's different, you got, you, that's up to you. You got to go figure that one out. There's no explain like I'm five for that one. That's your due diligence that you have to do. But this one, you can trust me, there's not going to be a spot, Bitcoin ETF, anytime soon. And I'm talking five years. Unless somebody else gets into office and decides that, eh, this isn't the way to go. But if this geriatric zombie president gets back into office, no, you're not going to see a Bitcoin ETF until at least the end of his reign. And that's even if he survives it. Personally, I was, I was not thinking that Biden would make it this far, and he has. So who knows how much longer this old man can wander around in his underwear. But to finish off, the roadmap is the latest in regards to Bitcoin regulation out of Washington, with the Biden administration having released the, quote, executive order on ensuring responsible development of digital assets in March of 2022 and the quote, climate and energy implications of crypto assets in the United States report in September of 2022, respectively. But that, yeah, that ends up, uh, that ends that article by BTC Casey. The takeaway, no spot Bitcoin ETF. They want to completely make sure that there's no coupling between actual sound money and their fake fiat monopoly casino. Because if they do allow it to attach, oh, you want to talk about contagion? Bitcoin will infect and kill every weak thing that exists in the West's financial fiat system. It will wither away and die in a matter of months. That's why you're not getting a spot Bitcoin ETF. Now over to uh, Madeira. Is this island the next Bitcoin paradise? A presidential visit. Uh, Joe Nakamoto is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. Thank God somebody else is writing for Bitcoin Magazine other than BTC Casey. What is Madeira? Why do Bitcoiners keep talking about it? Does it come with fries? And why did Pleb Music, a.k.a. Max DeMarco, shoot a Bitcoin documentary on this tiny island? Answering those questions... A band of high-profile Bitcoiners set out to orange pill the Portuguese island of Madeira this summer. Pleb Music brought its Bitcoin story to life in a documentary resplendent with swooping drone shots, storytelling sleight of hand, and the agile camera work of his talented videographer friend at Cinemuk underscore. With the Northern Hemisphere winter biting hard, it's worth watching. You'll drink a warm mug of life on Madeira and find it to be an up-and-coming Bitcoin base. But before we get to that, let's reach consensus on Madeira. Let's explore why this Portuguese isle should now feature on any traveling Bitcoiner's bucket list. It's called the Pearl of the Atlantic. Aww. Aww. The sun-kissed isle of Madeira rises up from the Atlantic Ocean some 600 miles off of the coach of Portugal. A popular tourist des destination thanks to Instagram-ready landscapes, a warm, temperate climate and rich cultural heritage, it's a peaceful patch of land. There's a regular direct flight to New York City while low-cost airlines whisk passengers to a handful of European capital cities. 
Much like the other small island developing states, or SIDS, that sounds like a disease, uh, Madeira's development is restricted by its area. A burgeoning tourism industry props up the local economy, but natural resources are limited. Madeiran bananas and passion fruit are plentiful, but not at all profitable. Madeira also exports just enough tea to keep the United Kingdom quenched for about two seconds, as well as Madeiran wine. Tourism aside, there's a smattering of remittance sent in from the many Madeirans scattered across the world. Oh, look, Bitcoin fixes this as well, as well as some trade in its ports. In the winter months, tourism diversification strategies such as ecotourism and enticing digital nomads to work from the island serve two purposes. One, keeping Madeira's economy ticking over in the low season, and two, driving down the average age of holiday makers on the island. Madeira is home to Espideda, I guess that's how you pronounce it, loads of Madeiran meat piled up on a skewer like a posh kebab. That sounds like Argentinian barbecue, honestly. Quality steak and scrumptious fish included. It certainly appeals to the average Bitcoiner's diet, while the vegetarians and vegans can be rest assured that a lot of food is cultivated locally. Madeiran boats, uh, sorry, Madeira boasts an educated population, absurdly fast internet, and civil engineering infrastructure that made Greg Foss's jaw drop more frequently than he deploys the F-bomb on Bitcoin products. Podcast, sorry. God, coffee. Give me coffee. Indeed, through the Madeiran economy pretty much relies on tourism, Madeira receives a substantial chunk of, God, EU subsidies to build bridges, roads, and even cable cars. For the 2021 to 2027 period, the European Commission will invest a whopping nine, no, 1.9 billion euros in the outmost regions of the EU, which includes the Acors and Madeira. The Acors are Madeira's bigger, colder brothers, hundreds of miles northwest of the island. The EU money is earmarked for improving the connectivity of the island transport and undoubtedly tunnels. Without the substantial EU subsidies, Madeira would likely suffer and economic activity would dwindle. And without tourism, as shown during the COVID-19 pandemic, when Madeira's GDP contracted by as much as 10%, the island would grind to a halt. However, the ace up this small island sleeve is a certain Andre Loja. Loja, pronounced Loja, no, not Loja, Daniel Prince, is a is a proud Madeiran entrepreneur with business interests that straddles tourism, real estate, and crucially, Bitcoin. Prior to developments on the island, Loja was a rather lonely Bitcoiner. Fortunately, and much like other Bitcoiners who I have had the pleasure of calling friends, he's unhinged. Because rather than simply try to introduce his friends to Bitcoin, Loja thought, Fadas, Carajo. Portuguese for fuck it, and I know I screwed that up. Quote, I'm going to escape or to orange pill the president of the island. Yes, the president of Madeira. Loja's work, coupled with that of Prince Philip of Serbia, Prince and a brief cameo from Michael Saylor led to an announcement by the president of Madeira, Miguel Albuquerque, at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. During Samson Moe's keynote, Albuquerque exclaimed, quote, I believe in the future and I believe in Bitcoin. However, contrary to some rather dodgy crypto media reporting, this outburst does not mean that Madeira adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, nor can it. 
Madeira uses the euro and is highly unlikely to replace or even complement the European shitcoin with magic internet money anytime soon. With this in mind, our visit to the island in June of 2022 was an investigation and an aid to the announcement, an ode to Don't Trust Verify. The mission would uncover what it means for Madeira to embrace Bitcoin and understand how we as Bitcoiners can pitch in. I deeply uh, empathize with Loja, who I sometimes picture in his office next to a co-working space, scrolling on Bitcoin Twitter while overhearing conversations and ideas from his co-work tenants. Ideas such as how to decentralize the luggage storage industry or build the next best dap on Ethereum. That, trust me, bro, it's more secure than Bitcoin. Furthermore, similar to Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert's approach to El Salvador, Loja strives to steer the crypto scams and Ponzi schemes clear of his shores. It's a thankless and unrelenting task. Welcome to Bitcoin. And it's undoubtedly why not a single Bitcoiner who participated in the Madeira trip could be considered a shitcoin sympathizer indeed. For a man who lives by the catchphrase, I don't know shit about fuck. The man knows his shit when it comes to organizing a serious batch of Bitcoin advocates. <clears throat> and so, over the course of 10 days in June of 2022, the all-star team set about showing, sending, and sharing Bitcoin with locals in Madeira. From surf shops, to civil servants, taxi drivers, to tax officials, and poncha bars, to presidents, they spread the word about Satoshi Nakamoto's innovation. FYI, poncha is a Madeiran drink of choice. It's potent. Just ask Jeff Booth. Thanks to Loja, the group took a lightning-guided tour of the island and its infrastructure. Not only had Loja spent hours setting up meetings with policymakers and business leaders in Madeira, but he also organized the obligatory Bitcoin boat ride. Yes, my private keys are now on the Atlantic seabed. A cable car to a scheduled restaurant and trips through more tunnels than there are shitcoins listed on CoinMarketCap. The group got a real taste of the island. Although DeMarco's documentary underlines that the pinnacle of the trip was meeting with the president, Madeira is simply a must-visit destination. It has all the ingredients to become a Bitcoin citadel or just a free private city. You can ask Peter Young. With 200,000-ish people, a manageable, fertile land area, warm weather, cheap cost of living, and phenomenal internet speeds, what's stopping you from moving there? Or at least entertaining the daydream, I often do. In addition, tax incentives are currently among the best for Europeans looking to establish a Bitcoin business or hodl Bitcoin long-term. Business tax is 5% if a company registers at the International Business Center. For retail, as of 2023, if you hodl your Bitcoin for 365 days before spending, there is zero tax. You can buy a house with Bitcoin, spend sats at a few merchants, and hang out at a Bitcoin meetup. The Regional Forum of Economic Education, or Free Madeira, is on hand to help you on your journey. Co-founded by Bitcoiners and Madeiran experts, the group hopes to make Madeira one of the new homes for the new base layer of the new internet, as Booth explained, and this is just the start. However, Madeira is not El Salvador. You cannot live on a Bitcoin standard on the island. Peer-to-peer -peer interactions, BitRefill, the Bitcoin company, free Madeira's assistance, and many other Bitcoin workarounds will assist you in using Bitcoin on the island. But be aware that cash reigns supreme on the island, and we are still very early. In this regard, Madeira needs your help. 
If you're reading this, you're probably aghast, a Bitcoin enthusiast, or at least you're, oh God, bi-curious. No, not the horny kind. I'm going to assume, therefore, that you know 100 times more about Bitcoin than the average Madeiran does. In Madeira, a lot of people have not yet heard of Bitcoin. In my experience, over 95% of the population has not used Lightning, and awareness is in its genesis. Moreover, President Albuquerque is not quite on the same level as laser-eyed President Bukele of El Salvador. The Central American nation executed its top-down Bitcoin adoption strategy when declaring Bitcoin legal tender in 2021. To continue the El Salvador comparison, while Salvadorans see volcanoes as a source of energy for Bitcoin mining, in Madeira during our visit, the civil servants at the energy ministry raised the valid question, how do you know the Bitcoin is here? Oh, oh my, <laughs> the energy specialist had not yet grasped that Bitcoin is digital and not physical. Yes, we are still very early. Our conversations with business people, ministers, and entrepreneurs were among the first Bitcoin touch points. For example, if Madeira was to mine Bitcoin, who would custody the keys? Should it be sold for euros or should it be hodled? Is it even legal to do so? And what would the EU think? Well, screw them. To add to this, while the president is fully on board with Bitcoin, how far do his powers extend? It's worth considering the impact of the EU one day banning Bitcoin mining or the MICA, the bill called Markets and Crypto Assets, regulation on Madeira's decision to embrace Bitcoin and to what extent the EU would come down on the island or let it live in a gray area as the EU outer zone. What can you do? Book your ticket, take a dip into the natural sea pools, ride cable cars and hike levadas or hillside canal walks, break bread with Bitcoiners and laugh off the clown world we inhabit over a glass of poncha in Madeira's capital, Funchal. I guess that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Consider the cumulative effect of all of these visits and Bitcoin connections on Madeira over the next five to 10 years. It's a bit like Bitcoin Park in Nashville or Praia Bitcoin in Brazil or Bitcoin Jungle in Costa Rica. If enough Bitcoiners come down, show interest, set up shop, or even relocate to the island, that island will reach what Swan Bitcoin has coined the intransigent minority. It's, of course, low time preference goal and some ways away, but it's a future I can get on board with. In the meantime, I don't know about you, but shooting the shit with Bitcoiners in real life is far more enjoyable than shit posting on Twitter or Noster. Sorry. And the best part about the this Portuguese par paradise in Madeira, you can do both. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, joy. I, I, I have... I'm one of the first people that will always tell you that I'm not looking at the West to be the ones who adopt Bitcoin. It's not going to matter. We're in fact going to be the last. However, everything is so far away from me and I don't like flying, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it has nothing to do with I'm terrified of turbulence or I'm scared of dying in an air wreck. It has nothing to do with that. It's that I have to mitigate the clown show, right? And... This shit ain't exactly cheap. So, you know, I like it if more stuff were going on around me, you know, where I could get in a car and drive an hour. Hell, I'd even drive three or four hours. And if I had to stay the night, not a big whoop. Hotel rooms are not that expensive. But, you know, 
and and somebody's going to say, dude, I can get a flight down to Costa Rica for for eight hundred dollars round trip. Are you sure? Yeah, I saw those prices on Expedia too. I'm not so sure if it's that cheap. So if somebody can verify that they have in fact gotten a, a flight that fucking cheap to Costa Rica, please let me know. Because every time, you know, it comes time to actually purchase tickets, $700, $800 turns into $1,300, $1,500 real quick. And I'm not sure what it is that I'm doing wrong. So if you can explain that shit to me like I'm five, please do. Do it on a, you can even do it on a boostagram. UK regulator investigates a charity that's been linked to FTX. The shoes are going to continue to drop. And this is a beast with a hundred legs. So just this doesn't end. And Turner Wright tells us why, Cointelegraph. The commission in charge of regulating registered charities in England and Wales has announced that it has begun investigating Effective Ventures Foundation, an organization tied to bankrupt crypto exchange FTX. In a January 30th announcement, the charity commission said it had launched the inquiry due to FTX being a quote-unquote significant funder of Effective Ventures. According to the commission, Effective Ventures reported its ties to FTX as a serious incident, potentially affecting other assets and opening the door for the regulator to investigate its trustees. Quote, there is no indication of wrongdoing by the trustees, said the commission. Quote, however, there are indications of potential risks to the charity's assets and the inquiry has been open to establish facts and help ensure the trustees protect the charity's assets and are running the charity in line with their duties and responsibilities. The charity commission reported that the trustees were fully cooperative as part of the investigation and will release a report on the findings. The regulator opened the inquiry on December the 19th after FTX had filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the United States and former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried arrested in the Bahamas. In the United States, now start, this is why I'm reading you this story in the first freaking place. We'll get to it. In the United States, charitable organizations that previously benefited from FTX funds have reportedly been targeted amid the exchange bankruptcy proceedings. The firm made millions of dollars in donations to various groups and causes. Many political campaigns have pledged to return funds tied to FTX or Bankman Fried, but it's unclear whether businesses and investors will be forced to legally refund the exchange's debtors. The fact, okay, that's the end of the article. So one, immediately up front, the fact that it's unclear what should be done is amazing to me. That money belongs to the debtors. It needs to be returned to those in charge of the bankruptcy proceeding so that it can be used to extinguish as much debt as they possibly can and make the debtors as whole as they possibly can be made. And that's not going to be a whole lot of whole. But that's the right answer. The fact that it's a gray area, what should be done with the money that was donated by this fraudster? It's, it's amazing to me that you even have to ask the question. This is not fucking rocket science. Now, the bigger meat. I'll bet you, because we're talk, we started this story off with the charity in the European Union, yet I have already conjectured several times that I think that the charities 
in the United States that some of the politicians have pledged to, like they got their campaigns donated to. They realized, oh my God, this is a terrible look, but instead of giving it back, which is the correct answer, they were going to pledge it to charities. That's right. The contribution made by other people's money that was stolen from them by a guy that's cooling his heels at his mom and dad's house with an ankle bracelet. Instead of giving it right back, no, they are going to give it to charities. And I've conjectured again several times, how are they connected to those charities? Because they're not giving to those charities to dispose of the money because it's the quote unquote right thing to do as Obama always said. No, they're doing it because I guarantee you they are friends or somehow have something to do with the way that charity is structured, set up, founded, you name it, that they're going to be able to get that money back because these charities that we're talking about are fucking money laundering scams, just like the entirety of the country of Ukraine, unbeknownst to its citizenry. The citizenry of Ukraine is a different deal than the federal government of Ukraine, which is the United States money laundering box. But we've got several smaller boxes littered around the globe, and they're called charities. If this goes the way I expect it to go, nobody will get in trouble. Because their investigation is... How the hell did we become so transparent about the evil that we're doing by taking money stolen, clearly stolen from other people and washing it through your fucking charity? How do we make sure that shit doesn't happen again so that we can do it even more? That's what I expect to have happen. On the off chance that there's enough, uh, an intransigent minority of people in federal governments around the world that will actually do their goddamn job, maybe they'll find out and release the fact that these are in fact money laundering ops. It's not it's not the cartel you should be worried about, the you know, the drug cartel in Colombia. No. No, at least those guys are transparent about their shit. They'll fucking just chop your head off and hang your body from a bridge. Evil as that is, at least they're upfront about it. And they're not hiding behind some Ukraine war or some charity for the children to wash their ill-gotten gains. Do I have proof? No. It's a gut feeling. We'll see. We'll see if I'm right. At one point or another, the dam's going to break and we're going to know. We'll figure it out. We always do. That's the thing. That's the thing. Gulf of Tonkin. Conspiracy theorist, if you even said it, until about 10 years ago or 15 years ago where they, you know, federal government released the documents and in fact the Vietnam War was started on a lie. A boat being torpedoed in the Gulf of Tonkin. We attacked ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. That's been declassified. And if you really want to know about it, you can go to the Museum of Vietnam over at Texas Tech University on the campus in Lubbock, Texas because the that Part of the library is its own building, and all it does is Vietnam. You want to go see it for yourself and read that shit for yourself? You go over to Lubbock, Texas. You go to the Vietnam Center for, that's housed under Texas Tech University Libraries, and you'll ask whoever there, I want to see all the shit on Gulf of Tonkin, and they will give it to you, and you can sit your happy ass down in the reading room and read it for yourself. It's not a conspiracy. But the fact that they made it so in, 
It was unpalatable to even mention that for so long that now that the truth is out, nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's called information degradation. It's degraded to the point that almost everybody that gave a shit about the Vietnam War is either dead or has Parkinson's or whatever. They don't care anymore. And the same shit is going to happen here. We'll find out the truth. And by the time we find out the truth, no one's going to care. Let's run the numbers. Oh, energy prices are all in the red today. West Texas Intermediate down a point and a half, $78.48. Brent North Sea, likewise, down a point, point, uh, 1.4%, $85.44. Natural gas is, as usual, the biggest mover, 4.77% down uh, to $2.71 per thousand cubic feet. I guess the winter that everybody was terrified of in Europe is just not going to happen. That seems to be what may be going on here. Gasoline down two and a quarter to $2.53 a gallon. Uh, shiny metal rocks are mixed. Gold is down a third of a point, $1,939.50. Silver up a half point. Platinum is down 30.33%. Copper is down just over half a point. Palladium is up 1.86. Ag is mixed. We, the biggest winner today is going to be sugar. 1.19% to the up. Cotton biggest loser, 2.65 to the down. We've got the Dow down a third of a point. S&P down almost a full point. NASDAQ is down 1.71%. S&P mini down two thirds of a point. Real money clocking it in at $23,162.79. 306,000 transactions have been made in the last 24 hours. Um, and that has been sending 228,419 BTC around the horn in the last 24 hours. 0.746 BTC is the average transaction value. Median transaction value holds steady at 0.014 BTC or about 334 bucks. Block times are low, nine minutes and 17 seconds. We've got uh, 0.06 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 9.83 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And we've got a hash rate decrease of 2.32%, but yet we are still at 304.1 exahashes per second, which is another all-time high, bitches! Dogecoin, your shitcoin indicator is at 8.8 United States pennies. So that tells you what the shitcoins are doing. Yes, nobody learned their lesson. Everybody still thinks they're going to get 1500x on fucking Litecoin. Stop it. Just buy Bitcoin. Oh my God. How hard is this, people? Now, there are 7,979 transactions awaiting for blocks to clear. $445.8 billion is our market cap. That is 3.51% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may buy 12.1 ounces of shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,277,077.88 of and 5,283.7 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $122.2 million being run over 1,649 nodes sporting 76 
1,207 payment channels. Looks like we gained 1,000 payment channels. Uh, and 68.8% of all that shit's being run over Tor. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. <clears throat> we just came off of uh, some vital statistics, but here's a story about another one. The mining difficulty has hit a new all-time high, and Will McCurdy tells us about Bitcoin's mining difficulty from Decrypt.co. Let me get down to it. It's just gotten even harder to mine Bitcoin. Bitcoin's mining difficulty has hit a new all-time high rising roughly 4.68% from 37.59 trillion on Sunday to 39.35 trillion at the time of writing. Mining difficulty is the figure that represents the computational power required to mine a single BTC. It's updated roughly every two weeks, getting more difficult as more miners enter the network and easier when they leave. And I'm not sure it's about a single BTC. I think it's just a minor block, but whatever. Mining difficulty has been climbing strongly and steadily over the past year, despite temporary decreases such as in the, you know, the month of December, 2022. On January 30th, 2022, the mining difficulty sat at roughly 26.2 exahashes per second, as per the data from Coinwares, that's not the mining difficulty. That's the hash rate, guys. Okay, so 26.24 exahashes per second. What they really mean is just 26.24 trillion. It's kind of an arbitrary number. Trillion what? Trillion, I don't know. But that's the difficulty number. The hash rate, <laughs> the hash rate is in exahashes per second. So I think they've, think this person is not truly understanding what's going on. And apparently Decrypt doesn't have an editorial staff. Anyway, let's try it. Let's try it my way. On January 30th, 2022, the mining difficulty sat at 26.24 trillion as per the data from Coinwares, but it has since risen to 39.35 trillion, a roughly 50% increase. Meanwhile, Bitcoin's hash rate, which measures the amount of computational power dedicated to mining the cryptocurrency, currently sits at 305.81 exahashes per second. This is correct. This figure is still below the all-time high registered on January 6th of 348.7 exahashes per second. Yeah, I don't think you should include glitches like that. They, that kind of needs to hang out for like a day, right? And not just a spike, because that could be anything. I don't think it ever really got to 348 exahashes per second, but that's just me. Current hash rate means Bitcoin miners are currently making over 305 quintillion code-breaking attempts every second in attempts to solve the computational equations needed to produce the proof-of-work cryptocurrency. This time last year, Bitcoin's hash rate was roughly 182.3 exahashes per second, making for a total increase of over 67% to the time of writing. Despite both Bitcoin's mining difficulty and hash rate spiraling up throughout 2022, the price of the end product hasn't kept pace. Of course not. Price of Bitcoin, as per CoinGecko data, has declined from 38232 on January 30th, 2022, to 23211 today, making for a roughly 40% decline. 
This isn't good news for some in the Bitcoin mining industry. A larger mining difficulty means more advanced machinery, more computers, and more power might be needed to produce the same amount of Bitcoin. And if the price of Bitcoin isn't rising at a comparable pace to the mining difficulty, this could make mining a less profitable business. Mm-hmm. They're getting this wrong too. And if I remember, I'll explain why at the end. Already, bankruptcy and debt restructuring news has cropped up almost weekly in recent months. In December of 2022, Core Scientific, one of the largest publicly traded U.S. mining companies, declared bankruptcy. Another firm, Green Ridge Generation, has gone on record as saying that their continued viability is in substantial doubt. It's not just low Bitcoin prices and higher minor difficulties putting stress on these firms. Industrial energy prices shot up to 16% between 2021 and 2022, which has spelled trouble for firms running fleet, fleets, whole fleets of energy intensive mining machines. Okay, so that is the end of it. But uh, this, this, this sentence here, This isn't good news for the Bitcoin mining industry. A larger mining difficulty means more advanced machinery, more computers, and more power might be needed to produce the same amount of Bitcoin. Ah, This is sort of like uh, the mining death spiral only going up instead of going down, okay? And if no new players... Okay, if there's no new players, like no new mining companies coming online, and it's just the same mining companies that already exist today, then that sentence doesn't really work, right? Because they're just going to continuously do this and do this and do this. And the smaller guys, yeah, they'll get pushed out. But like, I don't know, pick some mining, you know, some, some mining company that's not, you know, that didn't leverage their ass last year and isn't dying and is doing well. And then another company comes online somewhere, you know, in the world and matches their hash rate. Then the sentence makes sense, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of quote unquote brand new miners entering the space. I'm seeing the same old miners readjust how much equipment they have. There's, there's a little bit of a difference there, although it's probably splitting hairs, but whatever. Uh, let's see, what are we doing here? Uh, I don't want to do that one. No, I will do that one. Uh, I just, I did I had to look at the time here. Uh, Bitcoin adoption of Guatemalan merchants grows one BTC tattoo at a time. Joseph Hall, Cointelegraph. Bitcoin use in Guatemala is up. The Latin American country bordering El Salvador boasts Guatemalan-grown Bitcoin companies such as Ibex and Osmo. Several Bitcoin beach-inspired projects, including Bitcoin Lake, and now free BTC tattoos. A 2022 Bitcoin merchant adoption competition hosted by Osmo Wallet, a Guatemala-based Bitcoin company, led to the free ink promotion. Cointelegraph spoke to Piero Cohen, the co-founder of Osmo Wallet, and Stephen Moroccan, the owner of Souls Anchor, a tattoo parlor in Guatemala City. Cohen explained how the mission to get more people to use Bitcoin. Quote, so we ran a competition among the merchants to see who would process the most volume in Bitcoin sales in 2022. Turns out, 
Soul's Anchor Tattoo Shop in Guatemala City, who started accepting Bitcoin payments using Osmo Business back in October, won the competition, end quote. Merchant adoption is nothing new in Guatemala. So, so they thought about how to make things more exciting. They deciding that offering free Bitcoin tattoos to customers might be a Bitcoin-friendly marketing tactic. Cohen explained it was a huge hit. All of the slots filled up in hours, end quote. Guatemalan Bitcoin believers and Bitcoin tourists streamed into the store to ink their favorite Bitcoin meme, quote, or art onto their skin. Mannequin, or Maroquin, the owner of Soul's Anchor, explained it's been around seven months since we officially accepted Bitcoin and have two to three customers per month. It's a small amount, but payments are on the rise. Quote, the first months, we had only one customer. And even though it's still a few percentages of our income, probably 1%, we are happy to have started accepting it, end quote. Cohen explains that it's still super early for Bitcoin adoption in Guatemala and that most business owners are still unsure about accepting and holding on to Bitcoin because of the volatility. By allowing instant Bitcoin to fiat currency conversion at the payment merchant terminal, merchants can sidestep the volatility. Instant BTC to fiat conversion is a growing trend in the Bitcoin payment space as companies such as Strike, headed up by Jack Mallers, and Coin Corner offer similar solutions. Bitcoin as a means of exchange is burgeoning, and Cohen is optimistic about its future. Quote, Bitcoin adoption in Guatemala City is on the rise. Every day, we see more and more people getting into it, learning about it, and stacking up on them sats. End quote. Ricky one half of the Bitcoin Explorers couple who spent 45 days living off of Bitcoin only in El Salvador, recently traveled around Guatemala, paying his way in Bitcoin. Ricky told Cointelegraph that the level of adoption of Bitcoin in Guatemala has really surprised us, referring to himself and his partner, Laura. Quote, locals are curious. They want to learn about Bitcoin and see it as an important alternative to credit cards whose fees are very high in the country, end quote. Indeed, by accepting Bitcoin, businesses can save over 50% on transaction costs when compared with credit card payments, so the incentives are there, Cohen's explained. Ricky added that orange-pilling efforts by Guatemalan-based companies such as Ibex and Osmo are pushing to raise awareness of the technology. The couple also visited the Bitcoin Lake, a Bitcoin beach-style community project, where Guatemalan mayor is mining Bitcoin in his office before getting inked themselves as part of the promotion. Quote, we found the tattoo idea very cute. It is a company that wants to reward its shopkeeper who has received the most Bitcoin transactions by promoting its business. End quote. Bitcoin and crypto tattoos are increasingly common as crypto advocates brand themselves with their choice of coin. Oh God. However, crypto tattoos can sometimes go very very wrong. Take Mike Novogratz, the Galaxy Digital founder, as an example. His Terra Luna tattoo, <coughs> almost barfed, is a constant reminder that investing requires humility. The Luna token crashed by over 99% in 2021. Fortunately, the Bitcoin tattoos are safe for now thanks to a January price pump. All right. Also, that's the end of the article. So this is me talking. Uh, guys, be be careful what you get inked onto your body because that shit's relatively permanent unless you want to pay 
10 times as much to get the tattoo taken off as you paid for it to get it put on your skin. And it never works very well. That's that laser removal stuff. And it could be as high as 100, 100x, depending, I guess, on where you live. I don't know. But if you've got Bitcoin tattooed on like the back of your hand, which is, unless you're going to wear a glove, ever visible, then you're broadcasting your presence on this planet as a target not a human being. I don't have anything against tattoos by themselves, but inking something that, that reports to the world that if you have it, you may have a lot of money and that you may be, you know, I don't know, right for kidnapping. I'm just saying, don't be stupid about this shit. How important is it for you to have Bitcoin inked on your body? I don't even wear Bitcoin swag. And it's not because I'm terrified of being assaulted or kidnapped or killed or murdered or whatever. It's that I want to keep my Bitcoin safe. It's not about me. It's about my Bitcoin because my Bitcoin is for my kids too. And I don't want some asshole being able to read it on my fucking forehead that I have Bitcoin or I might have Bitcoin and decides to, you know, $5 wrench my ass. And here's something about the $5 wrench attack. Oh, well, you just need multi-sig. Oh, let me tell you about, let me tell you about it. And I'm not saying multi-sig is bad. I love multi-sig, okay? Love me some multi-sig. Love me uh, having to, you know, go to different places to go get it. So here, here's what I think a lot of people in their head think about the $5 wrench attack. Somebody walks up behind your ass because you got a tattoo of Bitcoin on your hand and pops you on the head with a $5 wrench. And when you come to in the back of a windowless van, that has been used in the past for God only knows what nefarious purposes. They look at you and say, yeah, you're going to, we pretty much sure you've got Bitcoin and you're, you're, we're, you're going to give it to us. And then you say, no, no, and no. And then they beat you to death. Okay. That's scenario one. Because I don't give a fuck. (laughs) These aren't humans. These are animals. I don't know why people don't figure that out. Monsters exist on the planet. They just happen to look like people. Just saying, this is what I tell my kids. Monsters do exist, but they don't hide under your bed and they're not in your closet. They're walking around on the street and you got to figure out who the monster is and who your friends are, right? I mean, I know that's probably a terrible way to raise children, but I'm not ever going to lie to my kids and I'm not going to lie to you too because scenario number two is this. The whack popped you on the head. You wake up in the back of a nefarious windowless van and they say, we know you got Bitcoin. You got it tattooed on your forehead like the dumbass that you are. We want it. Oh, well, I've got it in multi-sig and you can't have it. Oh, really? Well, okay, well, let's go to your house and we'll get, we'll get the first key. And that's what happens. They, they figure out where you live because you don't tell them, but they dig and find your driver's license. They go to your house and they, now your family is involved. And they get your key and you say, yeah, but that, that key is worthless. I'm sorry, you're just going to have to let me and my family go. And then they go, well, uh, where are your other keys? And you say, well, I'm going to have to fly to Africa for the second key. And then unless you got money to fly my ass there and then up to to Europe so I can get the third key, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to leave me and my family alone. And then they say, with a gun to my wife's head, we're taking your family hostage. And the next time we hear from you, it better be how you're going to send us the Bitcoin that you've been able to get because you went to the bank and dug out all the fiat you can to get to where you need to go. 
They'll just use your family. They'll, this is an old game. It's old as the earth is. If, if somebody can identify something that's important to you, just because you've got five keys and you need three of them and they're in three different geographic locations around the globe doesn't mean that you're fucking safe. And stop thinking that it does. Be real. Don't live in the fantasy world of, oh, well, since you have to be able to buy my airline ticket. No, they don't. And if you can't afford it, pop, pop. Is it worth it? I don't mean to start the week off on a down note, ladies and gentlemen, but let's be real. I'm hearing all manner of people saying how they're 100% protected because they got multi-sig and nobody can go get it from them. That doesn't preclude somebody ending your life and the lives of the people that mean the most to you because they're not human beings, they're animals. Start rethinking how we do this. If you can avoid it, don't wear Bitcoin swag. Don't have that Bitcoin stuff tattooed on, on places where people can readily identify you. That's just dumb. Now, I like tattoos. I don't have any myself, but I don't have problems with tattoos. It's what information they transmit in an instant to thousands of people every hour of every day. Be smart about this, people. I don't want you guys getting hurt. And speaking of getting hurt, we're going to finish today off with this one, Ordinals. Ordinals Protocol sparks debate over the place for NFTs in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Braden Lindria, Cointelegraph. And before I begin, we've got some scammers, or at least one scammer, a guy named Larry. He's on Bitcoin, but he's also selling his bullshit NFT ordinal wares over on Noster. All right, let's, before I rail against it, let's find out a little bit more about what this shit is. The recent launch of a non-fungible token protocol on the Bitcoin mainnet has the crypto community divided over whether it'll be good for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The protocol, referred to as ordinals, was created by software engineer Casey Rodimer who officially launched the program on the Bitcoin mainnet following a Jan 21st blog post. The protocol essentially allows for the Bitcoin version of NFTs described as digital artifacts on the Bitcoin network. These digital artifacts can comprise JPEGs, PDFs, or video or audio formats. The introduction of the protocol has the Bitcoin community divided. However, with some arguing that it offers more financial use cases for Bitcoin, while others say it's straying away from Satoshi Nakamoto's vision of Bitcoin as a peer-to-peer cash system. Bitcoin bull Dan Held, here we go. I guarantee you he loves this shit. I haven't read this, but I'm just making a prediction. I'm looking away from the article, so I can't see it. Just because I know who Dan Held is and what he's been up to in the past, I'm calling it right here. He is 100% for ordinals on Bitcoin. Let's find out if I'm right. Bitcoin bull Dan Held was one of those on board with the development, of course, noting that it would drive demand for block space and thus fees while bringing more use cases to Bitcoin. Yeah, I listen to Dan Held like I listen to my dog. When my dog barks, you know what I think? Could be important, but unless it comes through my front door, I don't need to worry about it. Some have pointed out 
that these NFT-like structures have taken up block space on the Bitcoin network, which could drive up transaction fees. Among those include Twitter user Bitcoin is saving, who argued that their 237,600 sorry 237,600 followers on January the 29th that privileged wealthy whites oh for fuck's sake wanting to use JPEGs as status symbols may exclude marginalized people from participating in the Bitcoin network. Cryptocurrency researcher Eric Wall disagreed, opining that Bitcoin's built-in block size limit would prevent a rise in transaction fees. All these people are wrong. Others, such as Blockstream CEO and Bitcoin core developer Adam Back, weren't happy with meme culture being brought to Bitcoin, suggesting that developers take the stupidity elsewhere. And he's wrong too, and I'll tell you all about it here in a second. However, Ethereum bull Anthony Sassano host of the Daily Gui, or Gui, or Gui, took a shot at the Blockstream CEO for wanting undesirable transactions to be censored, which many believe go against the ethos of Bitcoin. I'm not even, well, okay. Jameson Lopp says this. Uh, when making sweeping statements about the actions or beliefs of Bitcoin maximalists, you sound as ignorant as anyone who generalizes about other heterogeneous groups like nationalities, races, religions, etc. He gets replied to by this sassel.eth. Yes, an eth head. Adam Back and Luke Dash Jr. are both Bitcoin core developers who have encouraged censorship over the last 48 hours of these undesirable transactions. So no, it isn't just Bitcoin maximalists. It's actual Bitcoin core developers. Yeah, you're getting it wrong too because you don't know how the ecosystem works. In a blog post, Rotomore explained that the NFT-like structures are created by inscribing Satoshis, the native currency of the Bitcoin network, with arbitrary content. I'm going to highlight that for a second because I want to make sure I come back to that. These inscribed Satoshis, which are cryptographically represented by a string of numbers, can then be secured or transformed to other Bitcoin addresses, such as to notes in Ordinal's technical documentation. Quote, Inscribing is done by sending the Satoshi to be inscribed in a transaction that reveals the inscription content on chain. This content is then inextricably linked to that Satoshi, turning it into an immutable digital artifact that can be tracked, transferred, hoarded, bought, sold, lost, and rediscovered. End quote. The inscriptions take place on the Bitcoin mainnet. No side chain or separate separate token is needed, the document states. It appears that only 277 digital artifacts have been inscripted so far, according to the Ordinal's website. Interestingly, Rotomore admitted in an August 25th interview on Hell Money podcast that Ordinal's was created to bring memes to life on Bitcoin. Quote, this is 100% a meme-driven development. Okay, so that's the article. That's kind of ordinals in a nutshell. There's one thing that I don't quite get, and it's at the very first. The recent launch of a non-fungible token protocol on the Bitcoin mainnet has the crypto community divided. Okay, I think they should have made, made it painfully clear that this has nothing to do with what's in core, okay? Bitcoin core, the software I run on my Bitcoin core full node, 
is the Bitcoin Core software. Ordinals are not in it. This protocol is different. So when they say launched on the mainnet, this isn't like, it's this as far as I know, and I would have heard about it, I guarantee you, even being kicked off Twitter, I would have heard about the, the Bitcoin Core developers saying we want to put it into Bitcoin Core. That's not what happened. So when they say the protocol on the Bitcoin mainnet, they should have made it painfully obvious that this has nothing to do with ordinals being in core. That's important. It really is. So this is a separate thing. What enabled it? From what I understand, the addition of Taproot, which is indeed in Bitcoin Core, Taproot made this possible. Somebody figured out, I guess, okay, I'm spitballing from, from things that, I, that I've, I've noticed over the last 48 hours, is that Taproot made it possible for you to, quote unquote, readjust the fungibility of a Satoshi. You can send a Satoshi and have it inscribed and thus stamping it with a serial number. I think that's a terrible idea. But here's why I don't care. Bitcoin is for enemies as much as it is for friends. And if you don't understand that, then you're always going to be disappointed when somebody figures out a way to, I don't do shit like this because of game theory. That's what Taproot provided. I don't blame. Taproot does all kinds of neat other shit too, by the way. But somebody was like, yeah, but it can also do this. We can also change the fungibility aspects of a single Satoshi on a Satoshi versus Satoshi basis, where one is not the same as the other. That's a fungibility issue. I don't think that that's a good idea. Can I stop it? Absolutely not. Am I going to try? Fuck no. Ain't worth my goddamn time. Am I going to look for another coin because this is poison Bitcoin? No, because Bitcoin is for enemies just as much as it is for friends. And if you don't understand that, you're going to need to wrap your head around it sooner rather than later, or you're always going to have a bad time. Now, here's what I do kind of recommend. There is one other real hard fork for Bitcoin that's coming up, but it's like way, way in the future. And it has something to do with time stamping that somehow or another, the, the protocol that, or the, the Bitcoin core protocol that came down from Satoshi on high included a rather nefarious and, well, a rather nefarious bug that it's possible that past a certain date on a certain year that's ahead in the future, that the time stamping function is going to get all fucked up and we need a new one. People are working on it from core, but maybe that should be the only other thing that we do to Bitcoin. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not Adam Back. I don't know dick about fuck, right? About I couldn't code myself out of wet paper bag, so therefore I understand I am 100% talking out of my ass. However, I can see that if this is not the last, if Taproot is not the last quote-unquote thing to throw into Bitcoin, then this is not the last time somebody will figure out game theory. Just like Ethereum, the more plumbing you put into the house, the more easy it is to stop up the drains. So my suggestion, take it or leave it, to the Bitcoin Core developers is this. 
Maybe we should start seriously thinking about ossification, which means turning that which is malleable into something as hard as bone. Ossify. Osteoporosis. Ostetrician. These kinds of things. Uh, You know, osteosurgeon. The osteo is bone. Maybe it's time to turn the protocol into something that can no longer be changed or that we should really make it even harder because this introduction of taproot has indeed affected the future fungibility of each and every Satoshi that's on the platform. Now that fungibility only happens. That problem with fungibility is only ever going to happen if a particular user decides to send these Satoshis to this thing and get them each inscribed with its own little serial number. I can't do anything about that. And I don't want to be able to do anything about that. Since this is here, it's not going away. We're going to have to learn how to deal with it. Now, you know me, NFTs are stupid. This, this entire, it was, this was 100% meme driven. That's fucking stupid. It's not meme driven. Somebody was fascinated with this particular aspect of that taproot opened up and decided to make it a reality. And all things being equal, just being able to do that is actually kind of fascinating. Doesn't mean I like it, but I, I, I can't lie to you. That's, it's actually really intriguing. Doesn't mean it's good, right? <laughs> it's like watching, watching a slasher flick. You're, you're enthralled by it, but you're not yourself going to go out and start killing a bunch of people, but somehow or another, you can't look away, right? Same thing, same thing here. It's fascinating that it's able to be done. What you do with it is up to you, but hear me out and, and understand this and understand it now so that you don't get burned later. Once somebody figured out how to do this, other people are going to figure out how to use it to take your money. That's right. And Larry is doing it already. And I can't remember his last name, but he's got on Twitter. He's got somewhere around, well, four days ago, it was probably 6,000 followers because everybody wants to get scammed. It's probably 12,000 now, but look out for the guy that's selling NFTs on Bitcoin and Uh, and he'll mention ordinals at one point. His name is Larry. I don't believe he's up to anything other than no good. Why? Because he wanted to actually steal the Domus logo for himself, hard forked the code, but he lifted the Domus logo color and everything without permission, just stole it. Yes, it's free and open source software. I get the fork part, nobody gives a shit about. But when somebody's got like their own logo, is it, is it too hard to ask that you respect that? Well, Larry didn't. And this is what you get, Larry. You get mentioned on the Bitcoin ad podcast being called a douchebag. Stop being douchebags. Okay, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day. <laughs>